Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov. I'm Wendy Cherry, your host, and we're talking about something that really interests me a lot. We're talking about the power of words and how your mindset can affect your healing. So, you know, I'm always talking about health and wellness and using different things Um to help us get to our most vital, healthy, and um, happy selves. So in the studio with me today, in the sanctuary, I have Dr. Hanisha Patel. And she is a, a naturopathic medical doctor who works with people wanting the absolute best when it comes to their health. She concentrates on whole person wellness through health promotion and disease prevention attempting to find the underlying causes of disease. So welcome to the sanctuary, Dr. Patel. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be here. So glad to have you. So now, um, full disclosure, Dr. Patel is my coworker. We work together (laughs) at a local um, integrative um, doctor's office here in Washington, D.C. And so that's where we met. And then we bonded instantly and we talk about all these different concepts. So I'm like, duh, she needs to be on the show because we need to talk about some of these things. So what we're talking about is how the mind and our thoughts and the words that we say can affect our bodies. Yes, definitely. And uh, it was actually fortuitous because yesterday I was on Facebook and I actually saw this post of this teacher mm-hmm. who uh, she had this wonderful idea and these great intentions of uh, having the kids put how they feel mm. for the day. So mm-hmm. it was like, it was so great intentions, but what um, what was something that actually bothered me from that mm. was the way that she presented it. So in mm. so what it, what it said was, "I'm great, I'm okay, I'm meh," and mm. what I realized there was like these aren't who these people are. Right. It's not, they are not great. They are not meh. They're feeling great. Right. They're feeling meh. They're feeling okay. Mm-hmm. They're feeling sad, mm-hmm. whatever that is. And and that that was what I really wanted to address today was right. that just the way we change the certain little things that we say mm-hmm. and the how much power that has Absolutely. and that how much power that actually holds. Absolutely. And um, I, we've talked about this before with, with, with the English language, right? Um, this is one of the things, I mean, there are a few things that frustrate me about the English language, right? <laughs> but this is one of the things that definitely really frustrates me is we embody our feelings, right? Instead of 
instead of it being a temporary state of being, right. we are we become it. We be, exactly, we become it. We become it. We become sad. I am sad. I am depressed. I am angry. Instead of saying I'm feeling depressed, I'm feeling sad. Hmm. I'm feeling ha- angry, mm-hmm. and it's a temporary state of being. Right. And um, what I've noticed was, uh, so I speak two other languages uh, fairly oh. well. Okay. Gujarati and Hindi. Okay. But I also um, kind of can get along with a little bit of Spanish as well from school, okay. you know? Okay. And what I notice is that these languages don't do that. What? Even Spanish. Even Spanish. Oh, so okay. if you think about sp- Spanish, we say like soy or estoy. And soy is the more permanent being. So I would say soy Hanisha. Soy I doctor. Am, so I am, I am. Okay. Hanisha. Okay. Whereas estoy, I would say that is a temporary state. So I'd say estoy triste. So I am sad. But oh. it's that just by saying estoy, I'm saying it's temporary. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's changing into like I'm feeling in mm-hmm. a way. Mm-hmm. And same with Gujarati and Hindi. It's like I would say like muje, um, muje dukhi right and so that means like i'm feeling sad at this moment you know instead of saying i am sad right and i found that so fascinating when i made that connection i was like oh these other languages don't do that you know so how did you what was happening with you when you just had that aha moment for lack of a better term like Mm -hmm. what was happening what were you seeing and what were you experiencing that made you say that because I know for myself um for myself just um (laughs) growing up where I grew up we had a group of people who used the term um that their word was bond you know and Mm -hmm. so and then that also goes to your word is your wand so when you say I am mm-hmm. sick, then you pretty much bring all <laughs> of the universe together to create that situation for you. Exactly. And we don't even know it. Exactly. And once you know it, then you can then you have to be mindful about keeping your words, mm-hmm. changing your words. So we'll get into all of that. Definitely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about like where did your history, like how did you just come up and say this? And yes. how did you just become a, a naturopathic doctor and why that route versus Western? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I would say starting with, I guess, where I came up with the this fascination with words and language and how that impacts us, that actually started for me in high school. Okay. Uh, when I was feeling very insecure as most people do in high school, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I was very insecure, but for me, it was some reason different from a lot of people because I felt like I don't want to feel this anymore. Right. I don't like this feeling. And I decided at that moment that I wasn't going to feel that anymore. Okay. And that was when I researched how I could stop feeling insecure. Now, wait a minute. How old (laughs) were you when you did that? Because, you know, if you're young, who has the like... The, the insight to say, I don't want to feel like this anymore. Let me research this to change it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think amazing. I was like 16 or 17. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was, uh, it was definitely something that I realized isn't very common, but it was just, I didn't like something that feeling. Inside, yeah, something right. inside of me was like, this feeling sucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For a lack of better terms. Right. It was like, this sucks, and I don't want to feel this anymore. And it's not like overnight I was like, 
confident, ready to go. (laughs) But I I researched, um, I mean, thankfully I grew up with the internet. And so uh, Google Mm -hmm. and the internet was already a thing. Mm -hmm. And so I researched what more I could do. And I read about positive affirmations. Yes. And so then I started to write down positive affirmations all throughout. Like I had sticky notes all over my mirrors, like right next to my um, night side table. You know, it was just, I had everything. I had said things like, I am strong. I am beautiful. I'm intelligent. I just constantly would remind myself of these things. And then years later, I started to really embody it. Right. And I started to feel it. And then I realized not until medical school, actually, that it was the language that mm. was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. It was because I remember changing some of the, the ways that we would talk about things. And I think it was in medical school when we would talk about how we shouldn't be calling these patients diabetics anymore. Mm. We shouldn't be saying that cancer patient because now we're saying that that's their only identity. And that there's so much more to that person than having diabetes or having cancer or having heart disease, whatever it is, there's so much more to that person. And then I actually attended, through our psychology course in medical school, we had to attend some sort of addiction meeting. Mm -hmm. So I attended Mm -hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous as well as Narcotics Anonymous. And one thing I noticed there immediately was they, the first thing they say is, I am an alcoholic. Right. <laughs> like, I, I am. About that. Uh-huh. Yeah, they say my, their name. Their name. And then, mm-hmm. I am an alcoholic. And I was like, ooh, it started making me feel uneasy. And I was like, why does this make me feel un- so uneasy? Because, and then I realized, I was like, they're identifying as mm-hmm. their al- alcoholism. Right. And then I researched it, and really, those programs are only about 5 to 10% effective. Which okay. is something that isn't really well known. Yeah, I was going to say, people <laughs> yeah. always talk about those programs, but so that's interesting. Yeah. So, because a lot of people end up relapsing. And I personally, this is definitely not like scientific backed, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I personally believe that has a big part in it where they're embodying their alcoholism. They've identified as being an alcoholic. Right. So, what are they when they aren't an alcoholic anymore? Right. Right. What's your identity? What's your identity? And, right. and that's, and, and I, and that was kind of where I had that switch. And then during that time, I was also going through some things with my life and mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, this is so frustrating. And like, why am I like this? I'm, I'm so angry. I'm so depressed. I remember having both of these emotions and just being like, wait, that's not who I am. Right. <laughs> I right. Like, this is how I feel right now. Right. <laughs> right. And right. then I realized that all of these things kind of came together and I was like, so they're dealing with alcoholism mm-hmm. or they have dealt with. Right. That's their experience at this time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it isn't them. It isn't who they are. Exactly. And so that was kind of where I got into it. But then in for medical school, I um, my story in that naturopathic medical school, I was a pharmaceutical sciences major. So okay. I got my degree in pharmaceutical sciences at The Ohio State University. Okay. And... I remember just learning about the drugs and then the side effects and then the drugs and then the side effects. And I was like, it became a cycle. Right. And I felt like 
there had to be more to the story. Right. And I feel blessed enough to have grown up with some Ayurvedic medicine, which is okay. the ancient Indian medicine. Okay. I was so, going to say, what is yeah. Ayurvedic medicine? Okay. Yeah, exactly. So it's ancient Indian medicine, and it's been around for thousands of years. And I remember growing up, and now turmeric lattes are all the, the rage. Thing. right? Golden milk. Right. <laughs> exactly. Golden milk, turmeric latte. I remember growing up with that. Right. And we would be like, oh, this tastes so bad bad because right. there was, the turmeric is so bitter and right. now they put so much honey and sweetener in it that it tastes delicious somehow. Right. Right. <laughs> but but I remember it would help when mm -hmm. we weren't feeling well. Mm -hmm. And then I would ask my mom why, but she didn't know. Mm -hmm. And so I became more curious. I was like, I want to know why. I want mm -hmm. to know more. And so then I actually uh, went to India. Oh, wow. I went and studied a little bit there, but I was wor mostly working for a nonprofit there. And I learned more about the traditions there and wow. the traditional medicine. And I was like, I came back to the States and I was like, I need to practice like this. I need to practice with with using different modalities mm -hmm. like herbal medicine. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, I always knew that nutrition Mm -hmm. It was a big part in health. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when anyone would say that it wasn't, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know, I think actually there's a, the fact is that medical doctors that are studying in the traditional way, mm -hmm. they get the a teeny weeny bit of nutrition. If that, maybe. If, if that, yeah. right. So, okay. Mm -hmm. A lot Makes of times sense. for most medical schools, it's usually an elective. So mm. if someone chooses to take that and if you know if they're interested that is the way they would go however um for our program it was it was ingrained in the program so you were in a mm -hmm. naturopathic program what does yes. that mean yes yeah great question so uh, it's it's a program where we take the the wisdom of nature right okay. we take the wisdom of nature the traditional medicines and then we combine it with the rigors of modern science. Okay. That's what really drew me to it. It was a great combination. It was the synergy of bringing both together. Okay. Right? Using those pharmaceuticals as needed mm -hmm. and when needed, but not going to it as a first resort. Figuring out where the foundations of health are. Mm -hmm. Removing the obstacles to cure. Mm -hmm. So what's getting in the way of your Like health? I like to say, yeah. we know what the what is most of the times, but now I want to know the why. Exactly. And that's what I work with my clients like. Why? Why? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Good why are know. you dealing with this? What's going on? What? How can we dig deeper and further and find out all the different pieces and put it together? I like to say we're kind of like a, a detective mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. And that was the one thing that I really love about it is I get to explore and I ask you little questions and then we figure out like, oh, this piece goes with this. Right. And we're like, okay, because we are a whole. Right? We're a whole. So we're a Western whole. medicine and not knocking it, it, it has its place right, definitely. for like when you need to go to the emergency room, you fell off your bike or you had a car accident or just something, you go, you, mm -hmm. you go right there. But they work in silos. Mm -hmm. So they, uh, the heart doctor deals with the heart stuff. The podiatrist deals with the feet stuff and, you know, all these different things. And so not normally do they come together and, and work together. You might get the report from the cardiologist that you can read, but coming together with the mind, body, spirit, with all of the whole of the mm -hmm. person to help heal them is rare in that form of medicine. Yes, it definitely is. So, But, but yeah, like you said, it's it's that... Um, working together, like when what is needed and figuring out that for the patient right. or, or the client that I'm working with.
So the power of words and the power of language. And so the, the power that we put out into the world when we um, say something, mm-hmm. um, they, what a really cool doctor that I follow. Do you know Dr. Joe Dispenza? I do not. Yeah. So no. he's everybody yeah. check out Dr. Joe Dispenza. Dr. He Joe talks Dispenza. about okay. the power of the mind and the power of your words and how your brain and your mind and your heart and your spirit, all of it works together. Mm-hmm. And so I have been studying him just for a few years because my girlfriend, Anisha, shout out to Anisha. She put me on to him okay. and she did by saying we were at a park one day it was beautiful outside. And we were talking about something and this really unique experience that she got, that she got. And I said, how did you know about these people? How did you know about this experience? She said, I attracted it to myself. Wow. I'd never heard. I was sitting there like, Nisha, what you talk about, Willis? You know, like, what you talk about? I had never, I never really thought about it that you could do that, right? Mm -hmm. So then she put me on to Dr. Joe Dispenza and he talks about how he was in a marathon in 86 and he got hit by a four uh, a Mack truck and broke his six vertebrae in his spine. Wow. And he had all these opportunities to get of course get a surgery and he chose not to. And what he chose to do was to rebuild his vertebrae in his mind. And by the words mm-hmm. that he said, now it it ain't easy. Let's be clear, and <laughs> yeah. we're going to talk Let's about not some say ways. That this is the way to do it. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> we're going to talk about ways that you know to give you some tips to maybe like shift small things. But this guy had this foresight, and that was just his path because mm-hmm. he, this is what he teaches now. So he needed to go through that. But little by little, he kept saying that he his 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 uh, vertebrae was rebuilt. And he said he did it at one vertebrae at a time. And then he would then be afraid that he was going to be in a wheelchair. So then the shifting of the mind and trying to harness the mind to really think powerful thoughts, Mm -hmm. positive thoughts, and then say those things. Because what happens is we are used to, as humans, we are used to focusing on what is happening and that could be what we don't want and the more we focus on what we don't want versus what we do want we keep the same things that we've been having that we don't like exactly we keep attracting those same things right and and that's like with that positive thoughts and like in making sure that you're twisting those thoughts like okay I don't want to be in a wheelchair that's a negative way of saying that right. instead of saying I will be healthy and standing mm-hmm. and you know like changing the way you're saying these words right. and putting them in a more positive way right. is really how how it's most effective how it's most effective in addition to creating the feeling of you standing so it's yes. the feeling that changes the brain. So what mm-hmm. they call it is is um, neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity right. in a very lay person's way to explain it is that the brain changes and it creates new pathways. And so if you think of a think of a highway and the highway has all these different for those of you who live in the DC area think of the mixing bowl right and it's all these different pathways to go different places and sometimes they're blocked and sometimes they they're smooth sailing and they go north south east or west when your brain has been doing the same thing the same way for decades 
it the, the same old cars just going the same old way down 95 south right <laughs> but when you start to do new things think new things mm-hmm. and then feel new things feel new ways it reprograms the brain exactly Neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity, exactly. And that's uh, that stems from something called BDNF, mm-hmm. or brain-derived neurotropic factor. Mm-hmm. And we actually talked, talked about, about this it the other day. Yeah, the other yeah. day at the clinic with a patient. And we talked about how doing different things, coming out of your comfort zone, actually enhances this, um, this hormone. Right. And it helps to build that. So we talked about how we'll change where p- things are placed on our phones, mm-hmm. you know, just so that we're not Keep like constantly fresh. going. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> so we're switching it up a little bit. And then um, I recently started brushing my teeth with my left hand. Hmm. And and y- it's so crazy how much harder it is. Mm-hmm. But within a week of just doing it, it's become much easier. Okay. Which retraining. is retraining. Yeah. So I'm completely retraining that side. And, and I'm, so I'm always doing things like I go, I go boxing regularly. Okay. And there's a... Mm, you know, if you're right-handed, you should stand with your left foot in front, but okay. I always switch it up. I'm like, okay, I got to okay. work on both sides, okay. you know? Okay. And, and that's more for my brain than it is for my physical, right. <laughs> physical activity, but that helps with both. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So this is just something to consider. By the time you're 35, you are pretty much have already trained your brain to do the same things the same way. I ate oatmeal straight up for 40 plus years straight. Every morning, that was my thing. I get my little packs. I Everything that I did was sort of like rote. But by the time you're 35, that's just how, um, that's how the brain works. It's just sort of like set in there. Mm-hmm. But, um, so it's called like, there's it's a memorized state of being. You're just used to doing it. And so every single day, we have between 60,000 and 70,000 thoughts. Yes. But 90% of them joints are the same ones we thought yesterday. Yes. Only 10% are new, fresh thoughts. So um, those, when you're able to do things differently and start to learn new things, like this world, we have the internet, so that means we have the world at our fingertips. There is so many different ways to um, consume content and new information. You can go on YouTube. You can go on Teachable. There's so many ways to um, start to train your brain to think of things differently. Because what we're talking about is a, a process that you can do, but the point is you have to do it. Exactly. It's the action. Exactly. And uh, one of one of the ways is from what we had already talked about before with the being mindful with your thoughts, just switching your thoughts, that's taking that effort. You're making a change. You're mm-hmm. learning something new. Mm-hmm. But going along with that, I, I actually just um, had a conversation with a friend where we talked about how important it is to continue learning. Mm-hmm. And and it's exactly what you were saying, having these new thoughts, building that neuroplasticity. And I said to her, I was like, I'll stop learning when I'm dead. Mm-hmm. And even then, I feel like my soul is going to keep going. You still go. <laughs> right. Agreed. So we're constantly learning and growing. And if we're not, then then what is the point? That's w- when we just become monotonous. And that is where our brain atrophies. It right. literally starts to atrophy the the sulci and the gyri in our brain. Those are the little curves in the brain. Mm-hmm. Those 
are the more curves we have, the more we're learning, the more the stronger the brain. Okay. And so we see actually a lot of times with patients with Alzheimer's, whenever we do their autopsies, we see that their those curves are all missing. So, ooh, okay. And it's very fascinating to see that. So we that's what we want. Um, there was a, you know, like a med school joke that okay. <laughs> where it was like, girl, I really love those, um, love your curves, like the, the sulci <laughs> and the gyri, right, right. right? And that's really what it's about. Okay. It's like, I get it. Yeah. And, um, that was, that was like, if a, if a guy came up to me with that pickup line, I'd be like, yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's so, that is so cool. So part of the way is because what we want to do is talk about some ways that you can you know, get this. So the BDNF. Yes. Let, I never can say it. I, I'm good with the BDNF. <laughs> but how do you create more BDNF? And is it a hormone or what is it? Yeah. So it's a, it's a type of hormone. Okay. And the best way, like I said, to create it is coming out of your comfort zone. Right. So doing things out of the ordinary, uh, whether it's you said exercise. Exercise is a great is way one. to enhance it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then changing up your exercises. Mm-hmm. They have found that, so a lot of times people talk about doing cardio for weight loss, but they found that you also need strength training. Mm-hmm. And now they're finding even more research with enhancing the BDNF, enhancing neuroplasticity. The best way to have optimal brain health is really to do all the different types of exercises, doing some cardio, doing some strength training, high intensity interval training, Mm -hmm. yoga, Mm -hmm. doing some more relaxing things, breathing exercises, and just constantly changing it up. I know I personally am the type of person who gets bored easily. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I'm do I'm always doing different types of exercise. And re- I remember when I was reading that research, I was like, yes, I'm on the right path. <laughs> I'm on the right path. Right. Because it really is the best way to enhance that. And just like, I really hate spin. That's one of the, I hate spin too. <laughs> yeah. And I spun for so many years and I saw not one change, but anyway, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I really hate it, but I know some people love it and, I made a new friend at the gym and they were like, I want to go, go to the spin class. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop saying I hate it. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. cause again, now we're, we're embodying changing that. It, I'm right? changing the, my yep. mindset. When I say I hate something, I've identified with that hatred towards it. Right. You know, so I, I guess now even catching myself right now, I shouldn't say that. Mm-hmm, I should say, mm-hmm. okay, that is something that I will work on. Right. And, um, and I think that's really the best way. So just constantly changing it up, doing things out of your comfort, whether, whether it is going out and speaking in public, which is such a fear for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be so many people there. It's just doing something different, right? you know, getting out of that comfort zone, whatever you feel comfortable in, wherever you feel comfortable, get out, get out, get out <laughs> of that comfort zone, because then that will help your brain rewire. Exactly. You'll get new um, pathways. So then if you think about the, the, um, the cars on a Friday afternoon in the summertime on, you know, and the mixing bowl is like stopped, yes. you know, bumper to bumper. Mm-hmm. But on sometimes you can go and it's just going. That's what we mm-hmm. want. We that want the flow. Yeah, we want the flow. Right. So um, one other way that I'm thinking of, of as a way to help with this process is to sleep. Yes. Don't sleep on sleep. <laughs> sleep is that. so <laughs> underrated and when you are sleeping after you've been able to digest mm-hmm. and your body starts to renew, regenerate, restore, repair, um, it also, whatever you learn that day gets imprinted into your brain. Right. 
So you right. want to talk some more about that? Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's a culture, we've we've discussed this a little bit. So I went to medical school in San Diego. Okay. And um, so there there is a very different a mindset in the West Coast versus mm-hmm. the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And right now in the um, East Coast, I feel like it's so much go, go, go. And it's like hashtag team no sleep. And I'm like, hashtag team sleep. Like, right. I, I'm team sleep all the way. Right. <laughs> right. And, and so there's like this mentality of that. And we hear that even in our, in our, in our media a lot of times Puffy started that. Like, not he didn't start it, but Puffy used to say sleep is for suckers. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that, that right. like sleep when I'm dead right. thing. And I'm like, oh, no, I will die sooner if I don't sleep. Right. I was going to say, yeah, you're going you gonna to be sleep all right. <laughs> yes. That's a hell of a nap. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And so um, so it's it's so important. And I always like to be mindful when talking about sleep, too, because mm-hmm. I feel like people who struggle with sleep, then mm-hmm. then they're like more anxious and now they're more stressed out and so it's about getting those healthy stress relievers Mm -hmm. you know getting that together because whenever we're not getting that proper sleep like you said we're not able to restore Mm -hmm. you know and we're constantly now we're at a state where we're we have a higher cortisol response or a stress hormone response we have chronic stress indoors we probably have i was thinking about this and we probably have the most mental stress um, we ever had throughout history and the least amount of physical stress that we've had throughout history. Absolutely. You know, right. today. So an example of that, right, like an example offices. is like back in the day, if a animal was chasing you, you could haul ass. Like you could <laughs> run, your body yes. wouldn't go to, you know, your bowels would, would lock up, you can't go to the bathroom and you'll start running. Exactly. And, and, and then it would release. Yeah. yeah. And that's what you want. You want to have an increased heart rate. Right. Increase your blood pressure, shorten your preservation. Right. Yeah. Because you need to keep moving. You need to right. get going. And that's why a lot of times, um, even with exercise, that first five to 10 minutes, you're like, Ooh, why is this so hard? Because your body's getting used to it. You're like, right. Oh shoot, I got to run. Right. You know? And like, right. I got to get away from this lion or right. bear or whatever it is. Right. And, and that's called the sympathetic nervous system right. as, um, and I'm sure most of you are aware, but then there's the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm. That's that rest and digest. And that's the system that we should be in more often right. than, than the sympathetic nervous system. Right. However, we, we've shifted it. We're in that state of chronic stress. We're in modern times. Yes. So modern times allows for that. So another way that um, to, to piggyback off of what Dr. Patel is saying is that the stress comes, you see something chasing you. Your body kicks in, the cortisol kicks in as it's supposed to. You run and then it releases and then you go back, right? But it doesn't happen in modern times Mm -hmm. because this is what's happening. You got your Facebook Messenger, then you got your phone and it's beeping, Mm -hmm. right? And then your kids, if you have any, maybe calling you and asking you questions. Then your husband is saying, honey, I forgot my my lunch. And then (laughs) then you have to go sit in the traffic. Right. In D.C. So then there's no way to release it. It's just low grade, ongoing stress. Ongoing. Completely. And then you get to work and then you have the stress of your boss. You have the stress of the work, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's constant. 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 And when that happens, it's it's actually very fascinating because that when when we are enhancing cortisol so like in that state of when the line is coming after us or even when exercising exercise is a good type of stress right. but it is a stress right right and what's happening is we're increasing gluconeogenesis 
which is um, increasing the breakdown of protein from our muscles mm. to produce more glucose. We need more energy. More sugar. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So we're creating more glucose in our body, or, which leads to more energy because we need that mm-hmm. in the state of stress. We mm-hmm. need more energy to keep moving. And, but what happens is if we don't utilize that energy, it then it, it gets stored as fat. Stored on the booty, stored mm. right here, <laughs> stored on the belly. That's where it stores for women, especially. Yes, definitely. And so it gets stored as fat. Mm-hmm. And then from there, if we keep increasing that glucose, we're enhancing or increasing the insulin levels, mm-hmm. right? So the insulin is going to increase um, to protect yourself. Right. Again, all of these mechanisms in our body are there to protect us. Right. And but. If that becomes chronic, that leads to insulin resistance or diabetes. So let's just talk about that from an African-American community Mm -hmm. perspective. We have some of the highest rates of diabetes in, you know, here. And it's a pandemic. Diabetes is a pandemic. That means it happens all around the world. Mm -hmm. And so it's stress. There's stress every single day of being here and being around the world, just being a brown person, right? Black, a brown person. And so you go to work, they stress you out. You go to, you know, you're driving down the car, down the road, and that's stressful. There's all these different things. And then after a while, like Dr. Patel said, you can't release it. Your insulin levels raise. And then here you are with diabetes, right? And it's so chronic in our in our neighborhood, so mm-hmm. I in our community. So it's definitely something for us to figure out ways to manage that stress, because you think yeah. that that metformin is gone, take it away, and mm-hmm. that ain't that ain't it. Like my 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 daughter says, that ain't it. <laughs> Managing stress, definitely, definitely. And I feel like that that is so much. M- I don't want to say more important, but it it definitely is a a significant factor. Significant factor. It's a it's, it's a, multimodal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All of those issues are multifactorial. I mean, of course, then there's you know the food deserts and mm-hmm. things like that that mm-hmm. we could get into, but that's not what she's we're coming doing back. Today. She's <laughs> coming back. So we have we'll be talking about all types of things. <laughs> yes, definitely. But figuring out healthy stress relievers. Yes. So one of the questions I ask every single one of my patients or clients is, "What are your stressors?" Mm-hmm. And then we talk about those stressors Mm -hmm. and then we talk about, I ask them, what are your stress relievers? Right. That question is so hard for most people to answer. White, black, brown, doesn't matter. I think people don't even think about it. People don't think about it. Mm -mm. And then if they have an answer, so often the answer is alcohol, marijuana. And I'm like, these are, or watching TV even. These Mm -hmm. are unhealthy ways of relieving your stress, Right, right? right? Because alcohol Another type of sugar. Right. I was going to say sugar. (laughs) Right. Because so this is the thing. And I talked about this on past shows. When you're born, you um, and then Tina, I want to I want to Tina says so we we have our Facebook live going for those Mm -hmm. of us who are on the radio. And she says her name is Tina. And she says black people are genetically predisposed to insulin resistance. We are not meant for the Western diet. We are not meant for the Western diet, but we're also not necessarily predisposed because it's epigenetics. Mm -hmm. And epigenetics says 20% of your situation might be genetic, but the other 80% is your lifestyle management. So it's stress, how you manage stress, how you exercise, your toxicity as far as emotional and environmental toxicity. So there are lots of factors. So I don't want you to say that. I, I want you to change your thought on that and just think of there's a there's other science that doesn't show that we are dis we are predisposed. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and 
with that, I will also say that most people in Africa, most black people in Africa do not have diabetes or insulin resistance, Right. right? So this has been an epigenetic thing that's occurred in the Western world right. where black people have, of course, been disproportionately uh, fed these diets and then, you know, the stressors and all these other factors that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. the lifestyle, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the food deserts, all of these things. That's what's led to right. so many of these um, conditions like insulin resistance. Right. Right. So... That's good. Thank you, Tina, for that. Yes, thank you. But we just wanted to make sure we put that out there, that mm-hmm. we are not predisposed to... T- right. 20% of us potentially is might be something, but the rest of it we have control over. Mm-hmm. So that could be a good thing because we have control over it, and that could be a bad thing because we have control over it. So then that leaves you accountable. Exactly. Right. So another way to um, help relieve stress, we, we talked about exercise. We'll talk about meditation in a moment. Mm-hmm. But what I call is vitamin G, and that's gratitude. Gratitude is a huge way to um, help to manage stress. Because when you think about just how grateful you are in the present for things that you have, it could always be worse. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm clear it, it could always be worse. I've been in situations where it's been worse. So I feel like, um, you know, gratitude is something I call it vitamin G that we can get more of. Everybody say I get more vitamin D, more vitamin E and all these things. But vitamin G is super important. And for those of you who might follow Deepak and Oprah right now, we are on day 10 of the or maybe day 11 of the 21 day meditation. And it's on gratitude and the benefits of the mind and, and the way that it benefits the mind and the body. So a fact is gratitude is much more than an attitude or a mood. It is a powerful, positive input to our mind body system that leads to increased physical and psychological well-being. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love all of what you just said. I mean, starting from the vitamin G, I love that. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to be using that okay. now. <laughs> I love it. And because it is something that, yeah, like like you just said, it completely changes you on a cellular level. Right. Right? And And it's going away from that. I feel like a lot of our mindset in in this Western world is very victimizing ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that victim mindset where it's like, where we're like, okay, this happened to me. This is going on with me instead of being like, this is what I'm thankful for. This is what I'm grateful for. Like, I, I have the ability to get an education, you know, like right. these little things that we don't even realize. Or, I mean, the other day I was just going down the escalator and I thought of the people who were fixing the other side of the escalator. And I remembered seeing this video of an escalator going wrong and so many people just like getting hurt. Yeah, my sister got hemmed up by escalator before, so yes. Yes, and so I remember just being like, I'm so grateful for these people who are making sure that these escalators work for us so that we don't get hurt. You right. Know, just, it's, it's little things. Exactly. Instead of being like, oh, this is so annoying that the escalator isn't working. Right. I thought the opposite. Like, oh, I'm so grateful that they're making sure that, that we're going to be safe. safe. So just to, uh, to support what Dr. Patel is saying, these are more things that we are learning in this 21 day meditation with Deepak and Oprah. Mm-hmm. Grateful thoughts and meditative states just don't stay in your mind. 
messenger molecules instantly transmit their effects to the body's 100 trillion cells. Wow. And they create a new brain cell and a new pathway and new brain pattern. So let's go back to the mixing bowl with all of the activity that's going on, all of the flow. When you start to think about things that make you upset, make you sad or piss you off, then let's think of, let's call that the, uh, the cars are stopped. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. But when you think about good things now, you know, not everybody has had the opportunity to have a, a education or whatever, mm-hmm. but you can be thankful for your toes mm-hmm. and your spine that is supporting your body. Right. right. So every morning when I wake up, I try to do this. I say, thank you eyes. When I wake up and I can see, I say, I thank the five senses. That's the basics. So I can hear. Yes. Thank you. I can taste. Thank you. I can smell. Thank you. So I don't even try to make it like extra. And there's lots of extra things to be thankful (laughs) for that I am. But Mm -hmm. I I think like when I'm in the gym, in the steam room, because Dr. Anisha and I, we um, we go in the in the steam room at our gyms and we talk about that. But when I'm in there, I'm like, thank you, kneecaps. You know, Mm -hmm. thank you, clavicles. Thank you. Like shoulders. Like I just thank all of because then the cells in there are going Okay, Wendy. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to support you even more. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And I mean, it really is going down to the little things that we don't think about. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I don't use my left hand as often, but as soon as it's compromised, I'm like, oh, I've, right. I've been using it so regularly right. and it's, has a, it, it is a crucial part of my life. Right. right. And so it's, it's understanding that. And then what did... There was something that you just said about uh, the cells. Oh yeah, uh, I was I was just listening to a podcast with uh, Drew Burohit, mm-hmm. um, the Broken Brain podcast. Yes. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh yeah. yeah, and he had a speaker on there, Eddie Stern, and he talked about how our mind can only focus on one thought for twelve seconds, mm-hmm. and so so to say gratitude is ingrained in us. It's a constant practice, mm-hmm. just like these positive thoughts and affirmations. It's a constant practice because we have to embody these feelings, right? These mm-hmm. thoughts instead and and disassociate from the the negative ones. Right. And so just a few more of the things and I want you to explain this mm-hmm. part. The practice of gratitude has even been found to change our gene expression into a positive direct and direction. What does it mean for your gene expression? Right. So that I think goes back to the epigenetics mm-hmm. part of it, right? So with epigenetics, the idea is that we can actually turn on and off certain genes. Mm-hmm. We can we can shift our genetic makeup. We can shift so uh, we can shift the genetic makeup of our future children, right? Or or our grandchildren, whatever is go- going on, we can shift that. And by by being more grateful, by having these more positive affirmations like I think a, a good way to explain it is like, you know of uh, Dr. Masaru Emoto? No, I do he, not. Um, he's a Japanese researcher. Oh, with who, the water. With the water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah I feel like Emoto. a lot of people know the, the research yeah. um, with the water and, you know, just putting those positive intentions into that water, mm-hmm. those that, you know, that love and compassion and benevolence versus fear and hate yep. and uh, disdain, you know? Right. What you could see the difference in the molecular structure, right? And what are we made of? Water. Water. Mm-hmm. What is the essence of life? Water. water. And so, if we can change the water by that, we are changing 
the inside of us. Absolutely. We're changing our cells, which feed off of water. So how do you spell that? Because, or maybe I'll put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. In the show notes, I'll put the research by Dr. Emoto because what they have is some, you know, really um, exciting images of when this when this water is hearing like this beautiful symphony. Mm-hmm. It just kind of comes together and it forms and it moves and you're like, wow. Yeah. So it's one of those things. It's energy. Exactly. It changes the energy. So if you're thinking thoughts about the things that are going wrong in your life, you're going to attract more of that. And you would think that that's not what would happen. But if you think about your current state, Mm -hmm. your present state, it's a hard pill to swallow. But you pretty much have attracted that. You pretty much brought it to yourself. And so that's hard. It is. Yeah. It's so hard to realize that you're like. Oh, I right. did this to it's myself. Nobody, you know, yeah. there, there we are. Don't, we, we don't like we put accepting our, it. Right. We put ourselves in situations where we bring people in and they help, you know, create this situation. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's our choices. Mm-hmm. So it is like a it is like a muscle that you have to continually work to get your brain to focus on positive things. And, and I'm working on it. I mean, we're mm-hmm. all working on yes. it. And <laughs> I think that as we... Um, learn more and practice it more it gets a little bit easier but then you'll get this one situation that happens and it just blows you back Mm -hmm. and then you have to kind of get yourself back to the to the good thoughts so last week um i was experiencing something that i didn't like Mm -hmm. and i was watching my thoughts because now i know to i never knew to watch my thoughts before i never knew to be mindful of what i'm feeling and what i'm thinking other than i'm just mad So Mm -hmm. then I started to watch my thoughts and think about why am I feeling this way? And then I knew that I needed to switch it Mm -hmm. because there was nobody coming to save me. There was nobody coming to help me. It was going to be me. So the longer I chose to think about the thing that was pissing me off, the longer I was going to be in that state. But so then I had to build the momentum and just say, Man, I love that the sun is shining today. That's how you build the momentum. You just start with the small things. It doesn't have to be anything huge. Mm-hmm. Start with the small things and those building blocks, it'll act as um, what we like to say is like a placebo. It'll act like a medicine yes. to uh, you know, help to healing. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about placebo versus a nocebo mm-hmm. with this, with, with words and things like that. Yes. And so yeah, that was uh, a thing that I feel like there's, there are some negative feedback on Dr. Emoto's work. Mm-hmm. And so, so I remember seeing some of the negative things and I was like, honestly, does it really matter? Right. <laughs> right? Because if we believe that and we know that placebos are most of the time, even with drugs, like mm-hmm. we see so many times where it's just as effective right. as the medication, you know, just right. because they think, just because we think we're doing something to help ourselves. Right. Right. So the power of our mind, even right. if it's not changing the molecular structure, as some people believe with the water, the power of our mindset is changing. Right. So a placebo, let's go back to yeah. what that is. Mm-hmm. So a placebo. Yes is and doctor i ain't no doctor dr patel could probably but from my understanding it's like it is sort of if you're thinking of medicine let's say like a sugar pill Mm -hmm. that a doctor can give you and won't and and you'll think you got the real pharmaceutical or whatever it is Mm -hmm. um and you'll take it and you'll feel better 
and then you'll learn it was just sugar. But it's because of the way that your mind thought, the way that you're, you believed it and you agreed. Mm-hmm. You agreed with it that it was going to help you. So it helped you. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of like a placebo um, effect. And people do it all the time. And it's one of the ways to that science tests like supplements and drugs and stuff like that. Yes, definitely. And um, usually the way the research works is you do a randomized blind, uh, ra- double blinded randomized controlled study. Right. And so that's where the researchers or the the participants, neither of them know which pill they're actually getting. Right. You know, there's a third party involved. Right. And so they just give them either a fake pill or the real medication or supplement or herb or whatever it is that they're researching. And, and that, that fake pill or supplement or herb is, is the res- uh, or is the placebo. Right. And so, so it's seeing what, how effective the medication really is right. versus just the mindset. Right. And, right. and that's, that's really all a placebo is. Right. And so, but it's been proven in, in many cases where, if people thought that they got something good and it was going to help heal them, then that's kind of what happened. Mm -hmm. So that's a good, you know, those are just different things that people are doing to show the power of the mind. And I don't want to, um, I don't want to take away the fact that the mind and the body is powerful. The mind and the body and the spirit together, they are so powerful. And we've been taught here in, and I don't know about in other countries, I've never lived in other countries, but you know, we're taught that everybody else has the power, but mm-hmm. ourselves. And we're taught that um, other, you know, people who are in high ranking positions with titles have more power than we do. And it, it and they might have more information. Mm-hmm. But you also and they can support you, but you also know your body. Right. And we can start to know our body even more. And I think a a easy way to start is to start to the mind, start with the mind and starting to control what you're be aware of, not control. Yes. Yes, be aware because there's of. so little control that we right. really have of yeah. life. Because <laughs> I still got the monkey mind sometimes too. <laughs> My mind is like going all over the place. So it's a muscle, like I said, that you have to um, just continually practice, you know, continually yes. strengthen, keep reminding yourself, and then that will build the newer synapses in the brain, neuroplasticity, you'll start to change signals, turn signals on, kick out the old signals and remove trash from the body. So that's yes. kind of like how it works. Yes. It's all connected. It's all connected. It's all connected. And I feel like it always stems down to that. It's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> so let's talk about meditation. So we have, Jessica's about to throw that 10 up on us. So we have 10 minutes left. What are some ways that people can start to become more mindful and uh, mindful of their words mm-hmm. and and oh, we didn't even talk about this. How our emotions affect the food choices, right? So let's yeah. talk about that. Yes, yeah, definitely. So the it's it's like we said. Once we start to change our mindset, we start to become mindful around what we're saying. We can start to make better food choices too, right? That's when we feel like we have been able to take some level of control, be at least aware of what's going on, right? Right. And uh, one of the, the things that has also been researched is when you say, I can't eat something. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we both do a lot of nutrition consulting mm-hmm. and uh, topics around nutrition, working with people's diets. And 
when you tell someone you can't eat sugar, you, that is one of the most addicting things in the world, Absolutely. right? Sugar has been found to be as addicting, if not more addicting than cocaine. Absolutely. And so it's just telling someone to stop. Even cheese, it has um, a lot of addictive factors that are similar to opioid. Mm-hmm. Uh, opioids, casein. yeah, mm-hmm. that casein in there. Mm-hmm. And so it's just telling someone to just stop eating cheese even is almost impossible right because because now they have that addiction potential or they have right. that addiction already right and so just changing it from i saying i can't eat it mm-hmm. to saying i don't mm. that mm-hmm. that little fact has been research and like they've found how much more effective people were in changing their diet or lifestyle or whatever it was when they just switched the wording from saying i can't to i don't Note to self. Right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, it was a great uh, finding that I found. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. because there have been times where even whenever I was going through my dietary changes and I couldn't eat sugar, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm so upset. Like, I can't eat sugar and now all I want is sugar. Right. <laughs> like, I'll, like, I don't always want sugar so much, but because I decided I can't have it. Right. Or someone told me I can't have it. Right. All I want is sugar. Right. And so instead of saying that, so I've never smoked cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So I, if someone asked me to smoke, I would say, no, I don't smoke. Right. And it's that simple. Right. Right. And um, so, so just changing that mindset, just being like, oh. I don't eat sugar. Right. I don't eat. And then, you know, cheese. sugar, like you say, is so addictive. And so is uh, mm-hmm. the uh, milk. Milk. Cow dairy. dairy. Mm-hmm. But one of the things just to know so that you so that you will um, not put so much pressure on yourself is um, when you're born, if you're nursed or even if you have um, formula, there is a hint of sugar in there. Mm-hmm. So let's think about a. Let's think about a baby who had the, the the blessed opportunity to have a mom that loves and nurtures them and the baby's nursing and the mom is holding the baby and the baby feels so safe and warm and comforted. And then they're getting this mom's milk that was made in her body just for this baby and it has a little hint of sugar in it. So they, the human mind says that this sugar is comfort mm-hmm. and it makes me feel safe. And so now we hunt sugar. Exactly. And that also goes back to that stress too. Remember we talked about how stress or that cortisol can increase gluconeogenesis. Mm -hmm. It breaks down to more glucose. When we're more stressed, we need more energy. Mm -hmm. And when when we need more energy, well, what do we crave? Glucose or that sugar. sugar. So we go to quick carbs. Exactly. And so that's why, again, that goes back into that stress. And so now we can go into the meditation part as stress relievers. Right. Right. The stress relievers. um, Meditation, I feel like there's a big misconception that it's just being completely absent-minded and right. having no thoughts at all, just being right. so zen all the time. Right. And that ain't it. That's not it. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that ain't it at all. Uh, and we are in our modern words, like you said, where we have this stress and anxiety of like, okay, what do I need to do next? I'm in Shrivasana, which is like that corpse pose in, at the end of yoga. Mm-hmm. And I have thoughts and thoughts and Me thoughts, too. Right? right? And then they're telling us to not think. And I'm like... <laughs> What? Right. When you what? tell somebody not to do it, you just do it. Mm, like what? No, I right. got thoughts. Like it's going to keep going. Right. right. Uh, so the way of practicing it that I found most effective is being like focusing in on that thought. Like mm-hmm. I had that thought that I need to do. I'm working on a webinar right now. So I while I was in Travasana, I was like, oh, I need to work on this webinar. This is what I'm going to add to this webinar. And then 
immediately I catch that thought. So mm-hmm. it's again, being mindful, mm-hmm. right? I catch that thought. I'm like, why am I thinking about this right now? Clearly this is a part of what I need to focus on. Right. And, um, but do I need to focus on this right, right now? Second, you know, right. and it's like, okay, I will be able to, you know? And so it's just focusing in on that. And then I always say, then I'm like, okay, squirrel. And another thought right. comes in <laughs> right. and that's okay because yeah. that's natural and it's human, right. but it's just trying to start becoming more and more mindful and focusing in on these thoughts instead right. of being like, I can't think about nothing. I'm like, this is frustrating, right? you know, and just stressing out even more. Stressing right. out even more. So that's kind of like when you talked about the sugar and the gluconeogenesis. 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 So yes. lay terms, two days ago, I was stressed out, right? And I knew I was craving sugar, but because I'm mindful and I know the science, so this is where information is everything. Education is, is everything, right. Knowledge is um, power. So I knew what was happening, and we got four minutes. I knew what was happening. I knew that I just didn't necessarily want a chip, you know, or I didn't want that sugar specifically. What I wanted was comfort. Yes. Because that's why we talk about comfort foods. We talk about the things that make us feel good, that good old mac and cheese or whatever it is, that pizza for me, whatever it is that just makes you feel, it makes you remember feeling safe. It mm-hmm. makes you remember feeling good and joyful. Um, and so, and a lot of times we celebrate with food in the U.S. Yes. So, I mean, all, all cultures do, yes. but we celebrate it with it so that it becomes the comfort food. So I knew what it was. And so I said, okay. Do I need to, how do I need to get my comfort outside of the food that, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the sweet potatoes that I don't need to be eating at after 12, right? No root, no fruit <laughs> after 12, right? So I just, um, I had to, it, it was, a, it, and I was on a roller coaster of emotions, knowing what I needed to do and knowing, knowing what would make me be better. Yes. And it wouldn't necessarily be getting that sugar. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I always recommend journaling then. Right. That's where productive journaling, if you're having these thoughts, you're letting these thoughts out. You're letting them out of your head. Mm-hmm. You're letting these Up cravings and out. out and then putting them onto a piece of paper. Right. Right. And I always say, even before bed, just shutting down, turning off all of your electronics, as I feel like a lot of your listeners know mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. we got to turn all those off for a healthy sleep. Right. But also, so then having a notebook like you have right there, just writing down your thoughts in a, in whatever way possible. Right. Right. So that, you know, those are just some of the things that can help support us, mm-hmm. you know, us on um, being mindful of the words we say. Mm-hmm. So I have like little 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 sayings, little affirmations I say to myself. So I grew up hearing people say word is bond. I say my word is my wand. So I always see me flying around because I'm a butterfly and I go with my little wand and then I made it so. Yes. So this sucks. Yep. Then I made it so. Mm-hmm. Or this is wonderful. This is amazing. Yes, I have made it so. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's just one thing. Um that you can do. And then you said the meditation. Yes. The meditation, breathing exercises also and forest bathing. Those were the two big other things that I did want to mention. What is forest bathing? So forest bathing is essentially just immersing yourself into nature. So those five senses that we talked about before Mm -hmm. is activating those five senses within nature. Okay. They found that just by looking at something green Mm. can actually help lower our cortisol levels, increase our natural killer cells or or enhance our immune system. Oh, wow. And so it's just getting outside. And so again, that's getting 
outside or outside of our heads and outside into the world. Right. And that's the big part of that. That's like the main thing to get out of that. Right. Okay. Now I love forest bathing. I I have a nice little park right by my house that I go every year. And I have to figure out how to uh, keep the, the the bees away from me, though, because they love me. But I go and I set up and I put my bare feet on the ground. Yes. So tell us really quickly, because we got like a minute and a half. <laughs> what does it do? She talked about forest bathing, being out into nature. But what does it do when you put your bare feet on the earth? That's the best way of grounding, right? That's getting, it's called grounding or earthing. It's mm-hmm. getting connected with the earth. Um, a lot of if you know right now, I'm actually not wearing any shoes. Right. <laughs> but it's it's a part of it. It's just like being a part of that that nature, being in tune with the earth and connecting with that ground. Right. That is getting to us on um, on an energetic level mm-hmm. as well as just touching that again. You know, so activating the sense of touch. So if we're going simplifying it to like that mental, emotional, physical piece, then it's getting to that touch of it too, as well as the sensations. So we're talking touch and connection. Mm-hmm. How can the people connect with you? Find me on social media. My Facebook and Instagram names, Holistic Hanisha. That's Holistic H-A-N-I-S-H-A. And I do have a lot of these like stress relieving techniques that I'm constantly putting out there because I think it's so important to have healthy stress relievers. I see clients virtually or in person through a telehealth program called Modern Med. And And I'll put the link in the bio. Yes. So I'll put all that information in the bio. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Dr. Patel for joining me in the sanctuary. She's going to be back because we have so many things to talk about. And thank you for joining us. Please like, share, subscribe, and we'll see you the next time in the sanctuary. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Sanctuary. Please follow us at Awaken and Heal on Instagram and on the web at goddess-awaken.com to follow the revolution.